You don't have to be a machine learning engineer to help make the future a smarter place. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Welcome to Trillions. I'm Joel Weber. And I'm Eric Valshunas. Eric, one of my most favorite things about the ETF universe are tickers. It, it just like it's so much fun when you see somebody get a good ticker and have a good ETF idea that goes with it. It just speaks to one of the reasons that this industry can be so much fun. Absolutely. I mean, uh, everybody loves tickers. I remember when I first did ETF hits on Bloomberg Television, the anchor at the time, Adam Johnson. Um, he loved the tickers, and uh, even my mom can get into them. They're very accessible. They're fun. They can communicate a lot quickly. And and on our team, we call it the ticker premium. We believe that a good ticker can give you a little extra juice in the marketing efforts of an ETF. And um, I was down in Florida at the Money Show, my first physical conference, and ran into um, a couple uh, ETF pros and had some drinks. And some of the stuff they were telling me about their trials and tribulations of reserving tickers, I thought this this really is a perfect podcast. Plus, sometimes I'm asked about ticker reservations and whether you can like sell a ticker, how long it lasts. And I, I can't quite technically answer all their questions. So I, I wanted to really nail this down finally, how it works. So joining us, uh, a couple of your friends from Florida, and then we widen the circle, Phil back with Signal Advisors, Mike Venuto with Toroso, Laura Morrison with SIBO, and then joining us from Bloomberg News, Claire Ballantyne. This time on Trillions, tickers. Phil, Mike, Laura, Claire, welcome to Trillions. Thanks for the invite, yes. Okay, so I'm really excited about this. Um, Let's just start with some basics. What do I have to do to hold a ticker? So in order for a client of an exchange to reserve a ticker, they simply need to reach out to the exchange and make the request. It's pretty simple and straightforward. If the ticker is available, we reserve it for them. If it's already reserved by another exchange, we can place ourselves on the wait list in anticipation of it potentially becoming available. Or we can reach out to the exchange that has it reserved and ask ask them if they'd be willing to release it. So is this so like it, go, it, GoDaddy though? Do I like pay? Should I pay? No, Do I pay? No. And then I just plunk down some like 20 bucks and I get to sit on the URL? <laughs> no, no, you actually uh, don't need to pay anything in order to reserve tickers. The exchange doesn't look at that as a revenue line. Nobody really owns tickers, to be honest with you. I mean, just by way of background, and this is going way back. Um, 
when I started my career at the New York Stock Exchange in corporate listings, there was literally one guy, he sat in a very small office with a huge ledger. I'm thinking it was maybe two feet by three feet in size. It was leather bound and you'd walk in there and you'd have to bring a piece of paper actually in triplicate and ask to reserve the sticker. Um, it was very manual at the time. Exchanges eventually utilized other software technology, but it was all individual by exchanges. Fast forward to today, there's this concept of the Intermarket Symbol Reservation Authority, ISRA, and it is all under the regulation Reg NMS, National Market System Plan, and filed with the SEC. So it's much more, um, much, much more specific as it relates to the ability to be able to reserve tickers and for how long. So, so essentially each exchange has the opportunity to reserve up to 1500 symbols and a symbol is reserved for 24 months. And if that exchange hasn't used that and applied it to a listing, then they actually lose that reservation and it goes to the next person, the next exchange on the wait list. But like I said, it's not like GoDaddy where exchanges can just sit on the symbols and reserve what they think will be the next hot symbol. They, we really have to keep documentation to, to prove that there's an intent by an issuer to use this symbol within the next 24 months. So, so Eric, I know you always like the analogies. It, it does sound a lot like the bureaucrats and the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. Right. Like it's it's weird. You walk in, you don't know what's going on. But I think one thing Laura said at the end there that's really important is it's not like anybody off the street can just call up the exchange and reserve a ticker. There has to be evidence that you're actually have an intent to launch something with it. It's it does. It's not like a commodity that has value to somebody who's not going to launch that they can transfer or sell. Well, and what's that evidence that you intend to launch something? What qualifies as evidence? I mean, I'll let Laura hit that one because, you know, usually if somebody, because I run a white label business, if somebody wants to launch an ETF, they're more likely to get it reserved, the ticker, by coming through me because the exchanges know that we have the ability to actually launch. I, so, that's, Laura, I just, that's right. Yeah, I mean, but I just wrote down a great idea on a napkin. Does that count? Yep. <laughs> Laura, yeah, you have grimaced. to have the ability to yeah. launch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As we get to know our clients, it comes in through the process of, of listing. So as we um, appre appreciate how uh, sophisticated and knowledgeable they are about what their intentions are, um, then, you know, it gets to a certain point. We're like, OK, well, let's talk about symbols. So um, then it's brought up at the appropriate time. There are some instances where our, we, we get prospects because their first question is a may I reserve this symbol? But then we go through further exploration to be sure that, you know, it, it, it truly is a, uh, um, an opportunity for us to, to do business. Um, let's talk about it from the issuer point of view. So this is, I think, what most people fantasize about. Okay, I've got this idea. I'm, a, I'm an independent issuer. A lot of times uh, on Twitter, somebody will bring up something and people will start imagining what the ticker should be. So I, you guys, Mike, Phil, are, are issuers. How many tickers do you reserve? How do you go about it? How important is it? Uh, let's start with Phil. How much time do you spend thinking about it? I guess I have a lot of questions. 
it's really one of the first things you do. It's one of the first things you do. As soon as you have the concept of the fund, before you've nailed down the details, before you've written the prospectus, you grab those good tickers because you know they're a hot item and they're going to go. The language of trading desks and asset allocators is the ticker, not the fund name. So some of the fund names sound like law firms. You've got you know issuer, index provider, asset class, blah, 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 fund. Um, but the tickers are great. The tickers are more fun. Um, the ones that don't work as well are probably the acronyms, the ones that stand for a long in a series of, of you know, parties that are involved in the fund. But the ones that really hit the nail on the head can really you know, be very sticky and memorable. And it's an incredible edge. It's an incredible marketing tool. Yeah, premium is the right word here because I, I was telling you back in Florida, Phil and I got together to run a bit, you know, separate businesses together, eventually culminating in me buying Phil's company all because of the ticker BLOK, right? Um, and one thing that you think about when you're reserving tickers is what are the competitors that are going to come and what are they going to reserve? So I own some derivations of BLOK as well, right? Because like GoDaddy, I don't want somebody to have, you know, Toroso.net or Toroso.org, all those sorts of things. So that premium is very powerful. When we first came out with Block, we weren't allowed to use blockchain in the name, but the ticker was explicitly clear and we launched the same day as another fund and literally doubled their assets. All, in my opinion, the early days were about ticker premium. This was like right at the peak time when everyone was saying blockchain, not Bitcoin, right? And the blockchain was just getting super hot. And we were looking to launch a blockchain themed fund. There weren't that many public securities that were really pure plays in the space. They were just coming up and we're getting to that point. And there were two other companies, Mike's company and another company that were also working on a blockchain fund. And I didn't know if we could beat them to market. We had other priorities. We we're working on other things. Really what we were focused on was automating our trading desk. So I said to Mike, I said, listen, I don't think I could beat you to market. Why don't you take the ticker, you launch it, but we'll do the trading and sub-advisory work for you because that's where we're focused. And it turned into a, a wonderful partnership, not only on the fund, but for our businesses. One of the stories that we went over down there that I think really exemplifies how it works is, Mike, your story with the ticker DOGE. So explain, you know, okay, yeah. you thought of it, you registered it, and then and then what happened? Tell me the, your history with this ticker and what's happening here. Yeah, so let's start with this is not an endorsement for Dogecoin, <laughs> so so we're all protected. Um, that said, I am a fan. Uh, but uh, you know, three years ago, we reserved that ticker um, with the idea that maybe we'd do like a grayscale thing around Doge or something. Since you know, and we were way early. Um, and by the time uh, you know that was something viable, was maybe a month or two ago. And by then, it was expiring. Now. I knew that I wanted to reapply for it, right? But it, somebody else was already on the waiting list. I'm guessing Barry got it. Uh, so, so yeah, you know, you could have something and be thinking about it for years, but if you don't use it, you lose it. Uh, another example of that is I had Heal as a ticker, H-E-A-L, and we didn't have a great product for it yet, but we knew we would eventually. So we spent the legal money to file so that we'd get the extension. Um, Eventually, we still let it go because we never came to an idea that would fit it. But you will go out of your way to keep a good ticker if you can see the product that could fit with it at some time. And one last thing I want to add to the going and getting tickers thing is a lot of us think about families, right? So I've done the the risk on, risk off, Roro. I've got JoJo coming. I've got other ones that are similar. So when you're thinking about a fund, you're usually thinking about a family of funds and what tickers can come together around that family of funds. So you'll see a lot of these 
new groups that come out with like options overlay, they'll put an A in front of everything, like asymmetric or things like that, or or Gotham with the G spy. So you'll you'll see people build as be- best as possible families. And the last thing is anything with ESG in it is gone and nobody can get it, right? They, all the ESG tickers are gone. So um, there you go. There's some inside baseball. <laughs> you don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. would you say it happens that you think of the ticker and then are looking for a fund to fit with it versus the other way around? Because I, I would think you have the fund first and then you figure out a ticker. Bill, you want to take that one? <laughs> there are very few tickers that are good enough that you would build a strategy around it, but there are some out there. I think we've seen some maybe in the uh, cannabis space, you know, where there's some real, you know, remote tickers and, and the space was just exploding. Um, there are some, but I think, you know, there's two kinds of, 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 product um, like target markets, right? You've got your thoughtful, uh, let's say quantitative strategy or active value, you know, value strategy, which is, you know, really it's going to be ground up. It's going to be an investment manager who has a philosophy that they've developed over years. And then you've got your fast money retail stuff, right? Which is like, you know, a weed fund or a blockchain fund. And that stuff can come quick and you got to be fast because the only way it works is really if you're first, maybe second to market. Um, and those are the ones where the ticker can, in some cases, drive the product development. Okay. I, I think that would be rare, but I could see a couple tickers good enough where that could happen. Yeah, I, I think it goes back to the family concept, right? So this will be close to you folks. Um, we had this idea a couple of years ago that, all the major like family offices and big names out there will eventually have their own ETFs. So we reserved a bunch of names, including I'm looking at it BLMR with the idea that Michael would someday launch his own ETF. Bloom was not available. So, uh, but we had Zuck and things like that. Um, now it hasn't come through, but if you're thinking ahead of where the industry might be going, owning that ticker premium what, early can I, be I, very valuable. I think what you're saying is, that you you think of who a billionaire is yeah because they would embrace the tax benefits at some point but just to be clear you can't sell that i cannot you sell only that. you can only build an etf around it and hopefully they'll be involved but you can't like sell that to them for a certain amount of money no but what more likely happens is what phil said right we figure out ways to work with each other and further the industry of phil and i call it the rebel alliance you know like me him meb wes all the smaller guys and girls yeah. working together. Um, the indies. The indies. Yeah. The indies have the best tickers. I mean, there's That's definitely true. a correlation there. Meb, you said, uh, Meb has toke. To me, that is Mount Rushmore who's, who's level. Meb? I like who's verbs. Meb? We don't know these names. Meb, Meb Faber is the CEO of Cambria. Um, and he has, um, he also has, I, I heard he has HODL. Mm-hmm. Which to it me does. is you could probably sell that for a million dollars to one of these Bitcoin Can't ETFs. I know, but you probably could. <laughs> Mike, you you talked about um, the premium and also this family idea. You know, another trend that Eric and I have have uh, noticed and talked about before on the show is like when there are ETF uh, tickers that are verbs. That seems to be also really effective, like hack being a really famous one. You said heal. I thought that was that triggered that idea for me. Like, how much do you think a premium goes for for tickers that are can also be verbs? 
So I think the key is that the ticker tells the story. If you can find a ticker that tells the whole ETF story in a one word, it's amazingly powerful. Like hack, block, you know what they are, right? It's it's just done. Um, the other thing that's very powerful with a ticker is, I know I, I've Joel, I've heard you on your podcast here talk about some of the stupid names we have to deal with. Believe it or not, those stupid names come from our regulators trying to protect you. Um, right. So, so if I say, I want to do something, they say, well, prove to me that 80% of the revenue is coming from there. And I say, yeah, all right, fine. You're like, and it's really about pigeonholing in with the, the naming convention rules. If a ticker can get across what we're doing better than the name, it's super, super powerful. Just to be clear, you're talking about like your block, which we've been mentioning over and over. Yeah. Sorry. The official I'm not, name. I'm not here to pitch. <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, the official name is Amplified Transformational Data Sharing ETF. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So thank God for Block. Yes. If that was ATDS, good luck, man. Yeah, no, I'd be dead. Yeah. Yeah. No, but it, it happens with a lot of them, like these hydrogen economies. And remember when there was the Wear ETF? The name of the ETF was the same as the symbol, and it was supposed to be about wearables. And then the SEC said no more of that. So the person who who governs how we use a ticker is Laura or Doug or one of the exchanges and they're self-regulatory organizations. The person's, the entity that regulates what the name is, is the SEC in the 1940 Act rules. So, so there's a lot more leeway with the ticker because you're not getting a regulator saying no, unless it's a cash management product, um, low duration stuff. So I, I mentioned to you, I have ATM. I was told I couldn't use it for a short duration fixed income fund because it would imply it's cash. I think another thing is, you know, we tend to take ourselves real seriously in the asset management industry. And the tickers that don't take themselves too seriously, the tickers that are more fun seem to do really well. Like I had a fund called the reverse cap uh, weighted US large cap ETF. And for the ticker, I chose reverse, RVRS to spell out reverse. And it kind of fell flat for the most part. When we launched a fund, Ben Johnson at Morningstar put out a tweet saying, oh, this should be YPS for SPY, SPY backwards, YPS. And it got a great reaction on Twitter. I'm like, oh, I missed it. Well, we ended up a couple of years later selling the fund to Arrow Funds. And uh, Joe Barato at Arrow Funds is like, hey, let's use, now we're moving it over. Let's use YPS. It's much, you know, it's much lighter. It's much more fun. It, it does tell the whole story right there. Um, and he did. And immediately we got another like eight or nine million into the fund. So, you know, it shows that, that it can have an effect. Yeah, and you could have the opposite effect with a bad ticker, which you've teased me about on both Twitter and on various shows. Yeah, with your ETF, <laughs> industry ETF. It, yeah. it, it should have been meta. Should have been meta or there was other ideas, but – TETF just – Well, so what we learned know. was TETF, everybody thought that that meant it owns all the ETFs, right? So like total ETFs or something like that. So we figured out way too late in the game that our ticker gave the wrong message. And that's even yeah. – that's – Instead of ticker premium, what, what is that? Ticker deficiency? <laughs> Tick, ticker dysfunction. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, wait, I got a good, I got a good follow of that. Like, okay. So one of the things that we've talked about before is like the ETF graveyard where we, we see a, a fund that, you know, is no longer viable and gets sunsetted. And how often are you keeping an eye in the graveyard to see if you can, you know, steal something from beyond so the grave and bring it, bring it back as something else? So I have a list here of a couple of these because I was talking with Phil about them last night. So uh, the only ET ticker that's been used for the same ETF twice is SEA, which was used for the shipping. Oh, C. Yep. Yeah. 
So it closed, reopened, closed again. And now um, I mean, the filing's out there, but I'm bringing something similar back as BOAT, B-O-A-T. YYY closed as a weird fund. It was one of the first ever active funds. And then it was reopened as a passive fund at ETC and then Amplify. And then um, I mentioned the risk on risk off, right? So State Street had that. Ironically, when we launched it um, in our trust separately after they, they died there, immediately was approved at all the wirehouses because they thought it was still the State Street fund. So we're getting orders in and then like three days later, they're getting rescinded <laughs> because the, the, the order books at the wires still were connected to the old fund and the old ticker. So all kinds of weird things happen from tickers and the graveyard. <laughs> can, can I jump in here with the story? And we saw recently where uh, BTC, which clearly is going to be a coveted ticker for a Bitcoin ETF. I mean, that's like gold. Um, Grayscale took a position in this smaller issuer who had a fixed income fund. They changed their ticker, but not the strategy from like something appropriate to BTC. And then they undid it. So I'm guessing the SEC sort of sent them an email. Is that is that fair? But that's also how valuable the ticker is that Grayscale was willing to like do this whole maneuver just to hold on to BTC in the hopes they could convert GBTC to an ETF. Do I have that right? I don't know if any of us have the specifics of that case or would know, you know, what the SEC may or may not have said, but I have to say that the idea of, of buying a separate fund just to stick it with the ticker, to take the ticker off the table because they already have GBTC. So they don't need more ticker recognition. They just need to prevent somebody else. I think it's an incredibly, I mean, that's just a brilliant defensive move. It's brilliant. <laughs> but it was kind of interesting. I was watching that from afar as well. The other thing that exchanges do is just try to uh, eliminate uh, confusion. So reducing confusion, like for example, Mike, like what you said, if a fund closes, we typically put that ticker on the shelf for 75 days or so, just so that it, there's not an immediate confusion and misunderstanding for actually what you're investing in if, if you're just focused on tickers. Um, one thing that we did, like when VXX relaunched as uh, the new VXX, we actually didn't give it the VXX ticker immediately. Um, we would have liked to put the VXX ticker on it sooner, but we just said, okay, let's just make sure that there's there's time in, in between that. But then there's also this, the standpoint of, you know, BTC ticker means something. And to put a BTC ticker on, you know, the intermediate fixed income ETF is we were just like, yeah. there's got to be an ulterior motive here, right? Yeah, that's it, it. Ultimately, it's just probably not the right thing to do. It's not. It's misleading. Yeah, <laughs> I I can't explain that one. That one looked bungled to me. I'm curious to find out if it was truly strategic or a complete, you know, cluster. What do you think the ticker premium is actually worth? Is there a way to quantify it? I think it's case by case, Joel. It depends on if you have a competitor at that time. It depends mm -hmm. on a million different things. If, if, if the theme is hot and the message is in a single word, I mean, look, hack is where it is because of that ticker and the fact that they launched it and two days later you had the Sony hack. Like, right, like, right. You know, yeah, I, I think yeah. sometimes all else equal, it seems to be worth a lot, but it's not worth a lot on its own. It, it's, it's, it's hard to, it's like an art to it. It just, 
But it can actually, like you said, I think it can um, confuse people. One story that comes to mind, I'm not sure if anybody can share the details on this one, um, is TRXT, which was the Bill Gross ETF, which launched from PIMCO. That's not a great ticker, especially for, you know, Bill Gross at the time was like king of active management. And like three months later, bam, they got bond. So I thought, I was thinking like the godfather, Bill made an offer to somebody they couldn't refuse. Um, but any, I don't know, anyone know Eric, the background there? Eric, the, the story's not that good, unfortunately. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was involved in that listing at the time and um, we, were, we went to celebrate the, the launch on the day of, and actually I was at their headquarters in California in Newport Beach. And Bill looked at me and said, why don't we have B-O-N-D? And then I looked at his team and I did some research <laughs> and I uh, was able to obtain the ticker B-O-N-D and apply it to this fund. Prior to that, there prior was, to all that happening it was, though. It was reserved elsewhere and the entity that had it reserved was willing to let it go. They were willing to let it go because Laura asked them in a way where they were willing to let it go. But prior to all that happening, they had gone to their rep at NYIC to ask for the ticker bond. Their rep at the time was me. And I said, oh, I tried. I couldn't get it. So they got stuck with TRXT, which was a terrible ticker. Then when they went to Laura, Laura was magically able to free it up after they had already launched with a bad ticker. So as you might imagine, it was the last time they ever asked me for anything. <laughs> okay. That's great. That's an amazing story. Um I, you know, there's a really basic one, Laura, that I, that I have to ask you, which is I can think of a lot of bad words that are usually four letters. Um, and how do you evaluate, you know, the bad words that, that people come, and I'm sure this happens not infrequently, how you get, um, some of those inquiries. Yeah, that's true. We, um, and like when I, like I mentioned before, we get an inquiry for every letter, every potentially available symbol that starts with X, whatever that is, you pull that list and you have to scan it before you send it to the company <laughs> because you want to make sure that none of those, those are included in that Excel spreadsheet that you're sending to be, to be honest with you. So, so do you have to go to like urban dictionary just to keep up with like slang? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I'd like to think that we're, we're, pretty well up on things, but uh, there are a few things that slip by us. And, and what happens if you, if you did send that list out to, to somebody and they, they've spotted something, do you, do you have an ability to, to like walk it back before something launches yes. just in case? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Cause once you send the list, then they come back to you and say, this is what we'd like. You know, we, we we're going to be launching one fund. This is our order of priority. We'd really like number one, number two, and number three. And then we go through that process to try to secure it for them. Um, so that's when that's when we catch it. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. One of the things I wanted to do here was sort of imagine that we were issuers and that we were going to reserve tickers for things we might launch, which is a show we did uh, about two years ago. We had a competition for, it was like a shark tank for who had the best ETF idea. So um, each of us has got five tickers or so that we wanted to see 
if they were available and if we could reserve them just to see what our rate is, like our hit rate uh, and how much is, is reserved. I thought that'd be fun. So um, we each have, uh, what, five, five, six tickers. Uh, that, it was, uh, it was hard to find keep out it right at now. five. It was hard to keep it at five, yeah. but, you know, it, it was it was a fun exercise. So so I, I can go first. Um, and, and Phil, how, how did you find out if this was taken or not? So I went to the incomparable Rob Morocco at SIBO, who works with Laura Morrison. Um, and, uh, you know, he was able to go through each one with me and tell me which ones were available and which ones were not. And I, I, honestly, I don't think you guys are going to be very happy with the availability here, but let's see what we got. Okay. By the way, Rob Morocco is an, uh, an amazing name. Uh, that's a character we'll have to revisit at some time. Okay. My first one was Acme, as in, you know, you know, watching a lot of uh, Saturday morning cartoons with my kid, Acme brand. That just struck me as something like, I don't know what it is, but like Acme, is that one available? As of today, as of this recording, Acme is available. Oh, look at you, Joel. One for one. One for one. Okay, next Although one. Although I don't know what that would be an ETF it's, for. It's That's like, the, you know, you'll AC, figure it out. ACME, yeah, something. Explosives, dynamite, and coyotes. There right? you go. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> weapons. weapons. Weapons manufacturers. That's pretty good. Okay. Now okay, we're what, about, what about hot with two T's or one? Hot. Either way. H O T T is currently reserved. What about, what about meme? Meme is reserved. I know who has that. Who? It's a uh, round hill. I'll make them an offer. They can't refuse. And I'll just, yeah. I think okay. they're really trying to do a meme ETF. Okay. What about not as in N-O-T? N-O-T is available. Okay. Wow. I, my hit rate's pretty high. <laughs> uh, okay. What about L-G-S-T? That, I was thinking like long short. Oh, okay. Uh, long, LGST is reserved currently. Somebody else wasn't sure what that was, idea. but now I see it. Yeah. Okay. Now this was like the one that I thought was the best. Um, funk. Funk is available. Oh. Yeah. I don't know what I do. No, with no. That. What would that be for? That would, no, no. That, that would be good for the, the the QJ kind of concept. Yeah. Yeah. Music streaming. Yeah. I got. That's I gotta better say, than SBUS. I'm good at this. I have more, but I feel like I should put this down before I start striking out. So, so uh, I, I just want to tell you, man, the not one does not surprise me because we all avoid anything negative, right? I, I know who has risk and a couple of these other ones. You never want anything negative in the ticker. Just so you, yeah. Well, that's just yeah, like your no. opinion. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> While I was checking Joel, I also checked for the ticker Joel, J-O-E-L, which was available I reserved okay. it for you. Of course, I have to throw it back because there's no intention to use it unless you quickly come up with a fund that we can file. Um, oh, but as of this moment, I do have it for you. Oh, so man. by the way, this idea of reserving random names, uh, not Zuck and Mike and those, I just, I do think that there'll be point, um, like, like random Wall Street bet type people will emerge from the underground and you'll see tickers just like Greg. It's just like what this dude Greg likes, and he just happens to be very good and followed. I do think we'll see that, but what about um, like a a Dave ETF, like Dave Portnoy? Yeah, like his just his picks, what he likes, and just follow him, and you just you just now you own Dave's stuff. Yeah, that's simple. That's kind of like public. The uh, the yeah, the exactly. I, I love that concept. Yeah, some superstars from there will could get their own ETF tickers, and so I think names. If I were you guys, I'd reserve like all the famous names. Yeah, like, Eric, like you know, yeah. somebody needs to get yeah, was Eric. Eric right? a, did you check on Eric? Eric is an active symbol right now. 
Oh, and of oh, course, I checked. Phil and Bach are also active. Claire, I couldn't quite fit your I couldn't quite fit your name into into four syllables. So yeah, C L A R maybe, but eh. okay. I'm gonna quit while I'm ahead. I felt pretty good about that, and I'll, I'll, I'll by the end of the episode, let me see if I can come up with something for my own uh, name. But Claire, do you want to take a shot at yours? Sure. Okay. So um, we talked about some of mine. I, I had Doge and, and Meme on my list too, but related, I had uh, WSB for Wall Street Bets. That's a great one. It's already reserved. Ooh. It's, I bet it's Roundhill. <laughs> um, and then I also had, I don't know, does this uh, violate any like profanity bans if uh, the ticker LMAO? That's I don't one. think it would. It is currently reserved as well. <laughs> so, by the way, LMAO is used for a SPAC. Does that mean it could not be used as an ETF also? Yes, that's correct. Oh, that's why it's taken. Yeah, that's actually like a SPAC. All right. And then I had um, food, F-O-O-D, for like a restaurant ETF. Food is currently reserved. Not available. Not surprised. Uh, um. <laughs> And then I had Life, L-I-F-E. Reserved, not available. I don't know what that would be for. Everything? What kind of? Like everything? No, this ETF is Life. No, it would be like Burns a pro-life pro version of the S&P or something like that. That's true. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look Catholic at value thing or or you could do like genome. But yeah, it's it's not as clear. Now, I didn't have this on my list, but I'm wondering if this would be possible could you have an ETF with the ticker ETF? No. That wouldn't be allowed. So I went through this because I had TETF. So the ETF ticker was actually owned by a closed end fund when I launched, which was just I mean ironic. Ironic. Like like it is what a waste. A, a lot of Morissette song, like literally <laughs> defined by the fact that a closed end fund has the ticker ETF. And I think they got rid of it, but I I don't know if it's available anymore. Okay, Eric, let's hear it. Okay, the first one I have is God. God is currently reserved and not available. Ooh, who has that? Probably the the uh, you know what are they called? Uh, there's a Bible ETFs. So so Eric, just a little inside baseball. I can tell you, Lord Jesus, Pope, all of those are not available either. <laughs> <laughs> not surprising. Although that would be some ETF. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Um, here's another one. This is one that I had my idea for an ETF, which was the S&P 500 X Mondays. So you just invest Tuesday through Friday because Mondays are always horrible. Uh, traditionally, that's when the worst sell-offs happen. Uh, QMOM, Q QMON. That is available. It's a, oh, that's a great one, Eric. Um, here's another one that I think would be great and it's negative, but I'll explain why. Evil. So I was really surprised, but evil is available. Okay, so here's what someone should do. If any issuer is listening, you, what you do is take the least, the worst ESG rank stocks, call it the anti-ESG ETF, slap evil on it, and you'll get investors who are just so sick and tired of the ESG righteousness who will buy it just for just to send a message. Mike's I can't believe this, like, this doesn't exist. Speak. Yeah, Mike's buying this as we speak. No, that's, it's not my uh, – Eric pitched this one to me a couple times. I don't disagree with it as a good investment idea. But as like, you know, we all have these gatekeepers we deal with, all these things. So like, you're always thinking about, will this product affect my other products? 
right? So how am I going to have a social justice fund and a Sharia compliant fund in my trust next to evil? It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, there's only a few issuers who I think could like do this and it would not mess with their other products, but it feels um, like or, there could be a family there, Mike. Come yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think this is for advisor shares. Let's send it to Noah. <laughs> By the way, evil was Suzanne Woolley's idea for an ETF on our ETF tank episode a couple years ago. All right, here's another one, um, which I thought RJKT, which is for reject, because we have this idea for factor rejects. RJKT is available. All right, so... Athanasios on my team will be uh, happy about that. Here's another one. BRRR for money printer go burr. Oh, man. You know what? I, you sent me that one, but uh, I didn't seem it's not on my list here. I didn't check that. Uh, I bet it's taken. I mean, I would that that should be scooped up in a heartbeat. Anyway. All right. Well, speaking of that, I also asked about Fed FED. FED is currently reserved. Of course. You think Jay, do you think Jay's sitting on that one? Did you check J-Pow? J-Pow I checked, and J-Pow is also reserved. <laughs> Somebody reserved J-Pow? <laughs> That's awesome. That's hardcore. <laughs> I, I, I may have come up with something for my name, but Eric, can you think of anything better for, for what to do with my name? No, I, I would just think of, like, stocks Joel likes. Yeah, that was what I was going to go with. Which I, I think that I'll, will be a thing. I'll, I'll send over my shortlist, Fal. I have a question, oh, though. Back to, back, back to Claire's question about LM... What was it? LMAO. What about, like, OMFG? You're not really uh, yeah. asking if it's available, but whether or not that would violate can... rules. <laughs> like, Laura, if I came to you, would you edit me out for even trying to well, get that one? we would talk a if little you bit okay more about LMAO. what you use it for. <laughs> That's awesome. Because there's, a, there's an Oppenheimer fund, OMFL, and every time I see it, I'm like... Man, we are one degree like, away from like, an OMFG. I feel like Laura might have a pretty fun job. There's a lot of side <laughs> chat chatter coming out of that uh, equation. Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. All she right. probably sees things. Uh, all right, before we wrap, we we always end with asking people their favorite tickers that is not that is not your own. Mike, what's your favorite ticker that is not your own? So Karma, K-R-M-A. Um, two great reasons. One. I love the concept. You get it one second. And second reason is... My business partner, Guillermo, came up with it, and I love it. Just like it's – every time I see that fund, I think of him. Laura? I have to say the favorite ticker, but it was never used because the company decided not to use it, is Fool. Ooh. Very Motley Fool. Very political of you, but I like that. That was good. Um, <laughs> and, and Phil? Oh. I, you know, I, I love Tail, the Tail Risk Fund from Cambria. It's real simple, straightforward, but I especially love it because it pairs now with – Fail for the global tail risk, which is perfect. <laughs> Good. Yeah. That's, a great that's the family concept. He's got jail and for junk as well. He's got a couple of them all in the family. Mike, Laura, Phil, Claire, thanks so much for joining us on Trillions. Yeah. Thanks this for having This has been us. a fun one. I appreciate it. Phil, you better say something. <laughs> Thank you. I thought I did right there. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Trillions. Until next time, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal, Bloomberg.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you like to listen. We'd love to hear from you. We're on Twitter. I'm at Joel Weber Show. He's at Eric Balchunas. This episode of Trillions was produced by Magnus Hendrickson. 
Francesca Levy is the head of Bloomberg Podcast. Bye. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for the Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash Future Investor slash Radio. 